0: So turning your Bibles. We're going to do a little bit of flipping back and forth and around um, in Scripture this morning as we talk about serving and go a little bit deeper with this idea because here's the reality as a church. Okay, here's the reality as a church, and and you're going to pick up something uh, a little bit later at the end of the service that that illustrates this even a little bit more as we have joined together. And again, we've celebrated a year, right? And we had the happy birthday sign uh, a couple weeks ago, and you know we're a year old. And as a church, and God's doing some awesome things. And if you look around, right, and I've heard from many of you as you've looked around, right, you've seen some some new people. Right? There's some new people. And, and, and also, uh, if, if you've been around here, you've probably heard the conversation of, I want to serve. How can I serve? What can I do? Right? Because if you've been around the church for more than five minutes, chances are you have gotten this desire or this need to serve. Because when, when people come into a church, they need, they need two things. They need two things. Everybody say, two things. Two things. Everybody needs a relationship, right? So if you look around, right, chances are there's a relationship in this room that keeps you coming back. Some of you guys, it may be your wife that wakes you up on Sunday morning and says, get dressed, we're going to church today. Okay, that could be your relationship, right? Um, But but chances are there's a relationship that you have in the room, right, that that keeps you coming back. Secondly, and what we're going to focus on this morning... Not only a relationship, but a responsibility. We have a desire that this place leans on, you know, that we have a reason to be here. That we have something that is ours. Whether it's Stanley, and people don't know this, and he might get upset with me a little bit for sharing this, but Stanley is one of the first people here every morning, and you have Stanley back there to thank for that coffee every week. You didn't know that that was Stanley. You probably thought it was me. Nope. But, but, but Stanley shows up, and that's his responsibility, and Stanley loves coming and serving you and serving God by serving coffee, right? And that's awesome, and that's what makes church happen, because you've probably heard us say this time and time again. The body is most effective when the body's ministering to the body. I am not... The superhero around here. Don't tell my kids. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm not the be-all, end-all at Summit. Praise God. The best things that are happening at Summit Church right now are the things I don't have a clue about. But God's just using you to serve the body. The body's most effective when the body's ministering to the body. We had a big day in our house yesterday yesterday. Um our two older girls, Bria and Micah, ten and nine years old. Some of you parents will be able to identify with this. They started what's called AAU basketball. Okay? It's kind of a big deal. And uh they had their first skills and drills practice yesterday morning at ten thirty with like eighty other kids and, and high schoolers and middle schoolers and all of that, and Micah is out there. Um, bless your heart. And then, and then, uh, we had our first practice yesterday evening. Um, and, and, and so they got to, they got to go out and play and dribble and do all that. We had another basketball season start in our house. And you know, as I was thinking, as I was watching them yesterday morning, um, and their skills and drills, it was hard for me. Right? Some of you former athletes might be able to identify with this. It was hard for me to watch them and get out there and do their drills and all that stuff. Can anybody guess why? I heard somebody mumble it. Why? Why was it hard for me to to watch? To spectate? Because I wanted to be out there. Right? I wanted to show those young men how it was to really put... No, I'm just kidding. Anyway... Um, I wanted to be out there, back brace and all. I wanted to be out there playing and not standing on the sidelines, leaning toward, against the wall, praying to God for it to take me out of my pain. Um, and uh, I wanted to be out there. The reason is that no matter how good it is to be a spectator of something, it's much greater to be a participant. As great as it is to be a spectator, to watch something, it's much greater to be a participant. And it's the same with our relationship with the church. The reason I'm going to be passionate about this for the next 10 or 15 minutes as we talk about it, the reason I'm going to be really passionate about this is because I believe that you and I, I'll lump myself into that, I believe that we miss out on something if we're just coming to church as spectators. Not only that, but we're going to talk about this in just a few minutes. I believe we rob people of blessings when we're not using our gifts and we're just spectating in the church of Jesus Christ. Now, quick disclaimer, okay? Quick disclaimer. I know that there are some people, probably even sitting in this room right now, who are in a season of spectating. Whether you've been hurt by a church, whether a life situation, a crisis, a, a loss, or something like that, there are seasons, there are seasons where we just need to come to church. There are seasons where we just need to come and spectate and lean on people and be blessed and be poured into and do all those things. There are seasons of that, right? But we shouldn't get a season ticket for that. Okay? Okay? John chapter 4, we talked about this passage a few weeks ago, but we didn't talk about this section. In John chapter 4, verses 31 through 34, meanwhile the disciples were urging him, being Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat, right? Because he hadn't eaten. And here he's working with a Samaritan woman. And, and you can go back a couple weeks ago and see, it was when we talked about um, 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 the forgiveness uh, passage from the Lord's Prayer. And, and, and so he'd been doing that, and then he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't even know about. Verse 33, so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? That This didn't make sense to them. They didn't understand what he was saying to them. And so in verse 34, Jesus said to them, and I want you to get this, two things. My food is to do, everybody say do. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish, and to accomplish his will. Work And so Ephesians 5.1 says to imitate Christ, therefore, as his dear children. And here Jesus set a model for his disciples and then many, many years later for us that his work, his food was to do the will of the Father and to accomplish his work. I believe that's a call to contribute and not to consume. That's a call to do, to accomplish. That's a call to contribute, not to consume. And see, we have this nature, this, this, this selfish nature, right? And we have this culture that we live in that's like Burger King. Have it your way. And so when we coined this this term, over the last few years, and, and, and I'm not sure really when it started, but I would probably guess in the last 20 years, we in the church have coined this term called church shopping, right? Church shopping. And if you've ever had to be church shopping, it's, it's difficult, right? But we, we look for a church like we order a hamburger from Burger King. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce special, you know, uh, do, do this, do that, right? Because I can have it my way. And here are some of the things we look for, right? Here are some of the things we look for. A comedian uh, uh, said this, and, and I thought it was perfect when we're talking about church shopping, right? We look for quality, value, style, service, selection, convenience, savings, performance, experience, low rates, friendly service, name brands, easy terms, affordable prices, money back guarantee. If you don't like the service, we'll give you your tithe back. I'm quoting here, that's not true. Okay, free installation, free admission, free appraisal, free alterations, free delivery, free estimates, free home trial, free parking, no cash, no problem, no kidding, no fuss, no must, no risk, no obligation, no red tape, no down payment, no entry fee, no hidden charges, no purchase necessary, no one will call on you, no payments or interest until September. Uh, don't forget to pick up your free gift in the, in the Welcome Center, a classic, deluxe, custom designer, luxury, prestige, high quality, premium, one of a kind pencil holder, yours for the asking, no purchase necessary, our way of saying thank you one of my biggest struggles as a pastor over the last 8 years has been has been the mentality of I'm meeting I'm looking for a church to meet my needs i'm looking for a church to meet my needs and, and there, are a couple, there are a couple issues with that that we've got to come to grips with before we continue in Scripture. Number one, this isn't about you. This is church isn't about you. Rick Warren in the purpose driven life, the first line of the book is church is not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It, when, we're, when we're thinking about music, when we're thinking about messages, when we're thinking about services, when we're thinking about children's classes, when we're thinking about, you know, what we're going to teach and what we're going to preach and what we're going to sing, it's all about the thing that we think about is an audience of one, the glory of God, and is God's name lifted up in this place and glorified, not that you're happy, but the glory of God. So that's issue number one. The second issue I have with this mentality, right? The finding, I'm going to find the church. I'm going to find the church. I'm going to go find the church that meets my needs. If it's not in the church that you're in, maybe that's God calling you to make it that way. Maybe God's given you a passion. Maybe, maybe God's given you a, a white, hot passion, a burden, a brokenness for something, for a ministry that's not existent now, but is possible through you, through the call of God on your life. And I've been in conversations over coffee, over dinner, in our lobby, where someone said, hey, you know, we're not going to see you anymore. I need to go find this ministry. And I've looked back at them and said, well, have you ever thought that maybe God's calling you to start that here? And to bloom where you're planted and to, and to, and to, and to, and to, to do that here. Oh, no, 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 I could never, I could never do that. Why not? Why not? And so, and so we've got to move away from this church to meet my needs because again, we're not spiritual consumers. It's not about us. We are spiritual contributors. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. I love how it says you know, Paul says there, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal to the world through us. God making his appeal to the world through us. We are the church and we exist for the world. We exist for the world. I said this a few years ago and I believe it even more now. I believe that the church is God's plan to save the world. I believe the church is God's plan to save the world. The world. And so, just, just quietly this morning, I, I, want, I want to do a little survey here. If you put consumer on one end, and you put contributor on the other end, and you put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in between them, and, and consumer was a one, contributor was a ten, where do you land? In your relationship with the church, where do you think you land this morning? Contributor, consumer, Somewhere in the middle, where do you think you land this morning in your relationship with the church and you're thinking about the church? Because we've got to, again, understand, understand our view and, and what the church is intended to be. See, God calls us to serve in His church. God calls us to serve in His church. God never meant for the church to be a building. The church isn't a building. The church is the people. And so how did we unlearn what it means to be the church? To mean a building. In 313 AD, Emperor Constantine made Christianity a legal religion. And that's when these beautiful um, 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 sanctuaries began to be built. These beautiful church buildings began to be built. And it began to be something that we did instead of who we became. And so we don't go to church; we are the church. Romans chapter twelve, verses six through eight says this: "Have having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them." I love that. I love how Paul tells the church in Rome: well, "We've got these gifts; they're all different according to the grace given to us. Let us use them." And if prophecy, in proportion to our faith, of service. In, in our serving, the one who teaches and is teaching, the one who exhorts and is exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Here we see serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, kindness, prophecy. If you're part of this family this morning, especially if you're a member of Summit this morning, and we talk about this in our membership class, God has called you. To something. God has something for you to do. God has a place to use your gifts. God calls us to serve as his church. In Matthew five fourteen through 16, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let Your light shine before others so that they may see Your good works and give glory to Your Father who is in heaven. Let me say this. Government, government is not the best organization to meet the needs of the world. Amen? Government is not the best organization to meet the needs of the world. You've probably heard me say this before, but one of the things I'm passionate about is the church earning back their tax-exempt status. You know how that came to be, right? You know how the church came to get tax status where we were exempt from things. That the church, the church was doing so much in the town. They were providing for people. They were feeding people. They were clothing people. They were, they were, they were doing all of these things for people. And the town got together and said, we need to do something. Like, we need to do something for the church. We need to do something, um, to, to give back, right? And so they started to do those things. And the question I've started asking myself and our leaders recently as we've been talking about this and praying through this, now that we're a year old, now that we have this 10 year vision and this two to three year plan and we're doing things and, you know, we're not really in our infancy anymore. We can't really blame things on the merger anymore. It's just our laziness. You know, we can't really do that. You know, as we, start to, as we start to look at this a, a little bit deeper, if summit was gone tomorrow, Does the town miss us? If Summit's gone tomorrow, does Gorham miss us? Does the food pantry miss us? Does the school system miss us? Does Scarborough miss us? Does Greater Portland, does this community right here, these, these 15, 16 houses on Tamarack Lane, do they, do they miss us? Other than the once a year trunk or treat where we stuff their kids full of candy and then send them home? That's fun. Do they miss us? do they miss us? And here's, and here's, and here's the problem in the thinking. Here's the problem in the thinking, right? Here's the problem in the thinking. Because I know if I'm sitting in that seat right there and I'm listening to this message, see, here's the battle. Here's the picture hanging in our minds from years and years and years and years and years and years of teaching and thinking, right? And, And growing up in the church or thinking about church. Well, pastor, that's your job. That's the staff's job. That's why we, that's why we pay you, right? You're responsible for making sure Tamarack Lane misses us. Like you're responsible, right? And, and that's not true. It's our responsibility. We're in this together, right? And you look at, Acts chapter 4, 33 through 34, it illustrates exactly what we've been talking about, the tax exempt status thing. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony. The church is being planted and God's doing amazing things to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I love that it was their testimony. Great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. Isn't that awesome? Every time I read that, it's, in, it's towards the end of Acts chapter 2 as well as they were sharing and, 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 and giving, right? There wasn't a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. You know what I get out of that? The reminder that they'll know us by our love. I got to attend something on Thursday. Um, uh, Wayne Drown's... Uh, funeral service in Gorham. It was a big deal. You might have seen it on the news. Um, some of you may say, who's Wayne Drown? Uh, Pooch. Does that help? Um, many of you know him as Pooch. And, and um, it was an amazing service. There were a bunch of people there in the field house at USM. And I was really moved by something that the chief of police of Gorham said to this family. He said to them, we're going to take care of you. We're going to take care of you. Don't be surprised if someone stops by your house unannounced for breakfast. Don't be surprised if you wake up one morning and you hear the riding lawnmower running and you look out and somebody's out there going back and forth, cutting your grass, probably without a shirt on. I thought was awesome. But we're going to take care of you. And I listened to this chief of police talk about how his 27 officers or what have you, the the team there of Gorham Law Enforcement, we're going to take care of this family. And I thought, wow. And I just ask myself the question, and I'll ask you the same question as I've been wrestling with it since Thursday. Are we that way? Or could we take notes? Do we do, we do a good job making sure that the people sitting right in front of us, the people sitting right behind us, the people sitting next to us, have their needs met today? And I was moved by that. I was challenged by that. And I sat and thought, wow, that's amazing. And yesterday morning I, was, I met someone for coffee and went and picked Micah up from a sleepover and drove past Pooch's house. And you know what was in the driveway? A Gorham detective car. And I thought he probably stopped off with coffee and donuts. That's not a stereotype, that's just something. I'm sorry. But I just thought to myself, can I count on you? Can you count on me? What need do you have right now? That's not being met. And can you count on the people around you that if you share it, which that's a whole other message Right? that 's a whole other message. I was reading something recently where this that, that someone just got fed up right because he came to church every Sunday morning and he screwed the happy face on right so he didn 't let anyone into to his needs right and so many of us do that right and, we, and so we hold, 're holding people at arm 's length and we 're not showing her our needs right but if someone is aware that there 's a need, can they count on you? Can they count on me there's three. There's three attributes that we see Jesus model in Scripture of a servant that's put before us. And the first one is this. I want to share these and then we're going to pray. Number one, humility. If we are going to be servants, right, if we're going to serve the body of Christ, if we're going to serve each other, number one attribute that we have to carry, that we see Jesus modeled, that we see modeled all throughout the early church is humility. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. We had someone um, that was a part of our church for years and years. He was actually part of the search committee that brought me to Maine eight years ago. His name's Ken Smith. And I love telling the story and thinking about the story of Ken Smith. Because one of the things that, that Ken loved to talk about within our church was how much he hated our music. Anita knows, right? Ken would walk in and and Sunday after Sunday, and I think he was real honest with the worship team if I remember right, and and, and would just say, you know what? I do not care for our music. But you know what? It's not for me. And it's not about me. Because there are younger people that are sitting over here because we had the Navigator folks that would come and sit right here. And we had youth that would be over here and all of that. He said, there were younger folks that that music is reaching and that they're finding Christ in that music and all of that. And so, you know what? If God's using it, then let me get out of the way. And I just thought, and as he shared that in meeting after meeting, and every time he started to share it, I would cringe because I just thought, oh no, the worship team's going to get their feelings hurt and, oh, this is going to be a thing, right? This is going to be a thing. And so every time he started to share it, I would cringe, but he would share it in just such a humble way. You know what? I don't care for our music, but it's not for me. And all week I can listen to Bill and Gloria Gaither and I can listen to this and I can listen to that and hey, Russ and I do the same thing, right? We love us some Bill and Gloria. Um, and, 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 and you know, I can do that all throughout the week, but when it comes to this, this isn't for me, this isn't about me, and so I can embrace it and enjoy it because others are being ministered through it. I thought, wow. So the first attribute, if we're going to be a servant, is humility. The second one, the second one is joy. Again, we can look at the same illustration. We can look at the same passage and talk about joy. A servant should have joy when they're serving. Serving is kind of worthless if if the attitude of the one doing the serving is a, one of grumbling and frustration. But we should serve with a joyful spirit because it's truly a joy to be able to be used by God. So we've got humility, we've got joy, and then lastly, lastly, and we 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 ought to really be challenged by this one this morning. Not only uh, uh, humility, not only joy, but our best, our best, our best. If we're doing it for God, it ought to be our best. It ought to be our best. It ought to be our best a servant should also serve with diligence and hard work when we serve we should always do our best because we're not doing it for people to be noticed we're doing it for the lord colossians 3:17 i went to a high school that was a christian high school this was our this was our verse for our whole high school so we 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 quoted it every day every morning before we before we opened in prayer and whatever you do in word or deed do all do everything in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him You skip down a couple of verses. Verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. May we not be okay with mediocre. May we strive for excellence. See, I see a church where people give more than they receive. Where people serve more than they've been served. Where people love more than they've been loved. Passionate about reaching the next generation. That don't judge those without Christ, but love them into the family of God. Because how can we expect people without Christ to live according to Christ? That's (sighs) backwards. Where everyone uses their gifts in the church to equip the body of Christ. And they use their gifts as the church to be the light of the world.